The U.S. healthcare system is so complicated. It's like a 10,000 piece puzzle. Among the many things needed to improve it is to be intentional about inclusivity at all levels. The Hit Like a Girl podcast, H-I-T, like a girl podcast, works to listen and learn from women leaders within the industry who each hold a piece of that puzzle with the idea that if we connect more, we can change the bigger picture. New episodes are released weekly on Mondays and Thursdays, and you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Health Podcast Network, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To find out more, visit hitlikeagirlpod.com. That's H-I-T, likeagirlpod.com. Welcome to the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. I'm Michael McNutt, Director of Education and Events for Weedy and the producer of the podcast. Weedy is a national membership healthcare organization where the healthcare technology community connects, collaborates, and creates solutions for a better health system. This week's episode will focus on price transparency and machine-readable files, and we have a great all-star lineup to offer their insight on the topic. Sitting in for Matthew on this episode is the Executive Director of the Healthcare Executive Group, Ferris Taylor. The Healthcare Executive Group, or HCEG, is a national network of select healthcare executives, thought leaders, and industry professionals from health systems, payers, provider organizations, and health technology vendors who've come together to navigate the strategic and tactical issues facing the healthcare industry today. It's my pleasure to welcome back an old friend of the podcast, Ferris Taylor. Thank you, Michael. And hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to the podcast, and uh, and thanks for that introduction. Uh, I won't say more about HCG. You can find uh, all you need to know about at, at hcg.org. Um, uh, I've had the pleasure for many years uh, participating with Weedy on critical HCG top 10 topics. And uh, we will be doing jointly this year some industry pulse research uh, as two associations to get more and more of the industry's input onto uh, critical issues. But today, we're fortunate to have two industry thought leaders uh, with us to discuss the aspects of the No Surprises Act and the uh, Transparency and Coverage Rule. Uh, first of all, uh, a friend and colleague, Matt Parker, uh, VP of Products at HealthSpark, who has been a technology partner with HCG and a thought leader with us on, on a number of conversations over the last couple of years. And secondly, a, a longtime friend and colleague, uh, Denny Brennan, the Executive Director of the Massachusetts Health Data Consortium, who's participated with HCG and with Matt over the last year on several HCG roundtable, focus area roundtable discussions on price, tra price transparency and related topics. Our plan today is to share perspectives on three questions around the government's pressure and timing of regulations with respect to machine readable files, and then talk about what each of our thought leaders see as challenges in complying with the requirements. And finally, the issues that their constituents are seeing and encountering, including what might help health plans meet the July 1st uh, requirements. So uh, Matt and Denny, why don't you each take a, a few minutes uh, and share your healthcare journey and what you and your organizations are doing in this dynamic price transparency space? Matt, let's start with you. 
Oh, thanks. Um, I guess good morning, everyone, although I guess it's a podcast, so there's no morning, afternoon, or evening. It's good whatever time you're listening. Um, yeah, I'm Matt Parker, as, uh, uh, as Ferris mentioned. Uh, thanks for the introduction. Thanks for the opportunity today um, to, to chat. And, you know, I work at a, a company called HealthSpark. We focus on serving our payer customers um, in delivering uh, transparency and provider directory technologies to their members and to the market in general, and um, have spent the last uh, couple of years working very closely with um, uh, a fairly broad range of payer customers that we serve today um, around helping them ready their, their transparency and coverage and No Surprise Act um, tool sets and evolution kind of of the, the capabilities that we've been powering for them for the last decade or so. And Really looking forward to kind of digging into looking forward to digging into the the topic of uh, of what it's going to mean to try to be ready for this on seven one and 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 beyond. Thank you, Matt. Denny. Thank you, Ferris. Uh, as as you mentioned, I'm Denny Brennan. I'm the executive director of the Massachusetts Health Data Consortium, or MHDC for short. Um, we've been around for forty four years, and we started out as a health data organization, a public-private partnership to bring health data to the larger health community, whether it was hospital-related data, primary care-related data. We spent years doing this uh, in advance of bringing people together. We became also a convening organization. One of the fascinating concepts or or takeaways from our journey over the last 44 years is we introduced our members to the internet, which is kind of a fascinating concept in retrospect. It seems to have always been with us. But no, before, you know, at 1978, it was a gleam in the eye of the, the, the people who were building it and creating it. But we introduced our members to that. We introduced our members to HIPAA, to ICD-10, and we are now actively working with our membership on three fronts to promote and, you know, develop greater understanding of what price transparency, uh, real-time provider directories, and a lot of the changes that have been um, evoked by uh, recent federal legislation. Uh, three areas include our data governance collaborative, where we bring together health plan leaders and healthcare provider leaders to understand just what does it mean to share data? What does it mean to standardize data? What are APIs and how do they work? How can they bring their systems in line with the rules and regulations? We also recently merged with a not-for-profit health information exchange called NEHAN, where we are actually providing services to both health plans and providers uh, around electronic data interchange transactions, or EDI, but our NEHEN service also acts as a test bed to try out new technologies like real-time prior authorization, which we're currently undertaking as a major initiative uh, in the state of Massachusetts. Lastly, we have a spotlight analytics service where we may very well be asked by our subscribers to take a look at these machine-readable files that we're going to talk about and tell them how much is the provider down the street getting paid versus how much we are getting paid, how much are the health plans um, reaching their sort of MLR ratios and medical loss ratios, and how can they more effectively understand their pricing in context with the market? So this is a very timely topic, and I'm very pleased to be here. Thank you, Denny. And, um, and <clears throat> both of you, uh, uh, HealthSpark, because of the uh, Kairos acquisition, have also 
a good view into the provider side of the community. And of course, with my experience and, and the many years with the Mass Health Data Consortium, you're looking at these challenges, not from a narrow view, but a, a broad view. So we appreciate both of you uh, being with us today. Um, so with that, let's, let's jump right into um, the, uh, the, the requirements for health plans to produce uh, monthly machine-readable files on negotiated uh, rates and maximum allowable rates and covered services and all of that. So uh, the first question is, and, and this is one that I've heard discussed a number of times, but we'd like your, both your perspectives. Is the government pushing change onto the payer communities, uh, such as the machine-readable files, faster than is necessary or faster than can uh, be reasonably adopted. It feels like a heavy lift. Is, is it the right balance? And uh, Matt, with your, uh, with your clients and, and what you're hearing in the marketplace, what's your perspective? And then, Denny, let's hear what your constituents are saying. Yeah, I mean, I... My view is my view is a deadline is a deadline, and there um, uh, the deadline will always feel like uh, uh, imposed pressure um, as you get closer to it. Um, if they move it out, you know, if they were to extend this another six months, um, we'd feel a sense of relief right now in terms of the work that has to get done, and then in five months we'd feel like oh, it's too soon that we have to get this out in in thirty days. Um, I, you know, I, I think my view is that the, the, our customers um, and the plans that we talk with um, are, are still working very hard to meet the date. Um, we don't have, uh, fortunately, we don't have any customers uh, that, are, that are feeling that this is just unachievable and not worth the effort. I think everybody's working, working diligently to get to this. I think there's an a lot of coordination of, of data partners um, within the organ within each of our organizations who are providing and supplying the base data for these applications. Um, you know, the, with the kind of the final release uh, last week of the, of the, the, the 1.0 version of the, the, the data standards for what needs to actually be published on the seventh or um, on seven one. Um, I, I think we've got a lot of clarity um, finally on sort of, what we actually have to output. Um, I think the difficulty, uh, the challenge is always in finding, sourcing, and producing the data in a timely way. Um, so that that's really, you know, sort of secondary to the actual uh, output format. Um, but it's nice to have that clarity. Um, uh, frankly, we found CMS to be very responsive to industry feedback um, in the development of that standard. Lots of question and active participation um, from both payers and um, CMS staff to think about, well, you know, you're asking for this particular data element. Um, it's kind of difficult to pull. What if we did it this way? Or these file sizes are, are going to be incredibly large. Can we restructure some of the, some of the elements um, within, within the schema that will allow us to create smaller files? So I think um, the partnership between CMS and the payers has actually been very promising um, in terms of being responsive to kind of industry need and industry feedback, you know, while keeping our eyes on the ball, which is to produce files that talk about what care is going to cost uh, within a payers network. Um, so long, that's a very long answer to an easy question maybe, but I, 
I, I, I guess, I guess my, my editorialization would be, um, you know, it's going to be a burden to get these files out no matter when it's done. And I think a little bit of pressure, um, a little bit of pressure is okay. The, the extension to seven one was very helpful for a number of, uh, a number of payers. Um, and so I do think CMS is sort of continuing to try to balance regulatory compliance with, you know, industry readiness. Um, and that, that's been our experience so far. I don't know, Denny, how do you, how are you seeing it? Uh, pretty much the same way, Matt. I think you're right. Um, a deadline is a deadline, and sometimes the enforcement of those deadlines gets pushed out a bit. And I think, you know, CMS has been quite responsive. Um, we see in our community, uh, we don't hear a lot of complaints about the deadline of July 1st. Um, we do recognize that there are some major cultural challenges, if that's the right word, that go into moving from a, you know, the proverbial smoke-filled room within which prices and, and rate schedules were negotiated and held in strictest confidence and, and now uh, where it's an open book. And I think for the health plans who express reticence it's not necessarily about technology readiness. It's not necessarily about, you know, sort of their capabilities or, the, you know, certainly the data require uh, a degree of, of organization, greater accessibility to make these files possible. HealthSpark has done great work in helping the regulators understand that some of the initial requirements of the machine readable files were pretty hard to turn into real real knowledge and a lot has been done to improve that but i would say if you look from the outside in if you look as a consumer there are health plans who are actively marketing that they're going to be ready on 7-1 mm-hmm. and that they're going to be sharing with their with their members the information that their members need to see in order to pick more affordable health care stay in network avoid out of network surprise billing now against the law but still possible and we see this as, you know, be ready or be behind. Um, it's different on the provider side. You know, there are a lot more providers than there are payers. There's a lot less money being put into information technology transitions as fundamental and as foundational as this. But we see health plans, you know, getting going about the business of getting themselves ready. They know that this is the start. This is not the end in and of itself. This is the first step in what will ultimately be a far more transparent marketplace for the consumer and a marketplace where prices can go down and costs can go down because people will make more informed choices. It's a competitive advantage to be able to do this well, as opposed to pretending that it's really not happening and hoping that the enforcement delay will be extended. So yeah, I agree with Matt. We're seeing, um, we're seeing the plans and CMS working well together to get this done by the 1st of July. Bye. Wonderful news. And, uh, and, and Matt and Denny, the, the, the fact that you're hearing it's not uh, unobtainable. It's, it's not a, a huge lift that can't be made, uh, but, but there, is, there is pressure there. And, and Denny, I remember, and I think it was on one of uh, Matt's Focus Area Roundtable discussions last year, probably a year ago, that you made the comment that this is a shot across the bow. Uh, it's not the only pressure that the industry, both sides or all sides, uh, vendor, uh, 
payer, provider, uh, uh, pharmacy. Uh, there's there's pressures that are going to come from all sides, but the 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 underlying component is is the critical component, and that is more transparency, more consumer involvement. In, in really addressing the, the cost of healthcare. So thanks for those perspectives. Uh, and as you said, Denny, um, it's just the start. So let's start with you on this, this next question. What do you each see as the primary challenges in complying with the machinery uh, file requirements? And, and are those challenges process challenges or data challenges or technology challenges or some great big combination of all three? Uh, well, from our vantage point, all three represent challenges, but none of them are are unassailable. Uh, none of them are are you know impossible. Um, the challenge that health plans recognize in looking at the regulations that have been promulgated since the interoperability rule is that we are moving from a, a data economy that was largely institutional and enterprise-based to one that's going to become a real health data economy. And part of health, what constitutes a real market, a real economy is transparency, um, a fundamental component whereby consumers, purchasers, you know, providers of services know that they're in a marketplace where they're being evaluated for both cost and quality. We can't do value-based care. We can't understand whether we're getting our money's worth, if you will, if we don't know what the prices are and what people are getting paid to do it. And while the machine-readable files are really big, they're not meant to be read by people. They're meant to be read by machines, and that's what machines are for. Um, and it won't be long before services, apps, Various technologies will take what seems to be an enormous mass of impossible to penetrate data and make it available to people in a, in a way that they can read and understand it. And that's only the first step. Next year, we're supposed to move to 500 services that are the most common. So this is part of, along with the interoperability rule, the information blocking rule, the No Surprises Act, and the component legislative pieces of those of those legislative acts that are dragging the industry into an open market consumer centered economy and organizations may disagree with that in principle may feel that they understand better what what patients or members want and in some cases they they may well do that but that shouldn't be something that deprives the market of active consumer engagement so i think you know from our perspective you know, we see there's all there are always challenges. All of these rule co rules come with challenges, and health plans know they need to move from being closed silos of thousands of different health plans for employers and for for direct contracting, et cetera, to a marketplace. And the sooner they get there, and the sooner they can show that they're more competitive than others, the better it is for consumers. So, we think some health plans are approaching this rather you know, with some degree of excitement, they can get ahead of others who may be delaying or moving with less agility and less speed to getting to where they need to go. So I think um, the challenges exist, but the rewards to the swift and agile are considerable. 
Yeah, I would, I'd agree with, I'd agree with all of that. And I, I guess what I'd add is, um, you know, I think a, a lot of the challenges that we see sort of fall into those three buckets that you, uh, that you identified Ferris. Um, and, but, but they're, um, they're, they're artifacts of the way of the way the system is set up. I, I think the, the idea of extracting the idea of extracting uh, negotiated rates down at the at the service level and try to build something meaningful for an end user um, is is a starting point. Um, but it is but it doesn't reflect sort of some of the nuance of the way care is is billed and paid for. And and I do think that the bigger challenges are gonna are gonna come with with the with the self service tool and the presentation of this data. You know, a couple of examples. Um, you know, there is a billing code for a recovery room, right? So how does a user, how does a user reflect or understand on what it's going to cost when they go and they get a, when they go and get a surgical, surgical encounter at a hospital? Um, they, they don't get an individual bill for a hospital room. So the fact that you've got a negotiated rate in for that particular recovery room is sort of meaningless to an end user. Now, as Denny pointed out, which is right, these are meant to be read by machines and not people. And I think it's the it's the consumption of all that data and the the uh, aggregation of that data into something that is meaningful for consumers. That's not part of the seven one. That's part of next year's rule. And so the good news is we've got time to kind of continue to refine and solve for that. Um, but you know, we have we have other there's there's other challenges in which um, we've got. Uh, the way contracts are stored in the source systems um, make uh, you know make make challenges. You've got you've got uh, you know contract terms that essentially any provider can bill for any service. You know you'd never have an obstetrician doing a knee surgery, right? But they have, based on the terms of their contract, the ability to to do that. And so there's you know you're going to see data that needs to get filtered and processed. Um, and um, you know, converted. So those are those are very to me. To me, those aren't insurmountable. As as Danny said, those aren't insurmountable problems, but they are technical challenges that, in the spirit of this legislation, which is to provide that marketplace, that consumer first view of transparency, to enable all the other things you get out of a marketplace type um, uh, approach. That there's going to be a lot of opportunity for um, app developers. Um, health plans um, and and others to 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 really transform the raw data that the MRFs are are publishing into something that's meaningful for end users. I, I, we're going to have to go back and search the word opportunity in this podcast. I I, I guess I should have, in addition to process and data and technology challenges said, what are the cultural or leadership uh, opportunities that are there, the challenges? This is a little different for healthcare, but to take a, a mandate and turn it on its head into an opportunity uh, is, uh, is, is a, 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 a real opportunity for healthcare. So, uh, you know, the, the last question uh, with respect to uh, you know, the issues, and we kind of touched on the challenges that healthcare organizations, particularly payers, are, are experiencing uh, in these final months of, of leading up to uh, July 1st. Uh, 
Are there clarifications uh, beyond all of these discussions with CMS and the uh, the additional information that's been coming out? Are there are there things that would help the payer organizations in these last few months uh, to be prepared, not just for July first compliance, but this opportunity that you have both touched on? And maybe we start with you again, Denny. Well, I think part of this this first wave is people are going to make a lot of mistakes. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is going to be a, some of this is going to look like just gobbledygook when it first comes out. It's going to be, there are going to be, uh, to use a, a, a non-technical term, there are going to be rows and rows and rows and rows of data that don't have anything in them that are not relevant to to any user. But, you know, again, I stress that, you know, this is this is a first step. And, mm-hmm. You know, part of this turning everything into a machine readable file is about exposing data and about making those data visible to other machines so that they can be turned into information that's useful for consumers. They'll also be useful for health plans that are looking at other health plans in their marketplace. They'll be useful for providers who are going to be forced to to wonder, how am I getting away with having the very rich negotiated rates that I currently have when everybody's going to know what my rates are. Um, this is the first step in, in, in transparency. And I think it's not surprising that we see this first step being put it all out there, get it organized. HealthSpark has been doing great things. And, and much of what I've read about this, this entire transparency initiative and this entire effort at, you know, what do the machine readable files comes from what I've read from, from Matt's organization. Um, this is an opportunity for the industry to go, okay, we've, we put it out there. What's wrong with it? What do we need to fix? Because this isn't the end in and of itself. This is a means to an end. This is part of before we, you know, figure out how to solve the problem perfectly, we need to lay the information out there and let the market help us decide no individual health plan is going to be able to come up with exactly, you know, the perfect schema, the perfect, you know, file structure, the f- perfect sort of applications that will allow these to be presented any more than their competitor down the street can. So this is a way to open this up to a crowd, open this up to the market and move the industry forward. Once you put these files out there, there's not really any going back. Um, that's, right. that's part of what I think is a big deal about this is, you know, spill the beans, we'll clean up and we'll f- figure out what makes sense and what doesn't and let the market decide and let you know us move toward this next phase at the beginning of 2023, which is going to be much more focused and much more dedicated to information that consumers can actually use. But the lead time requirements for these kinds of changes are enormous. And if you don't start you never get done uh, because you get locked into the cycle of it, IT trying to figure out how does this fit into their project cycle. And to have a mandate that says it fits in your project cycle right now, <laughs> um, whether, you, whether you put it on your, whether you have that in your, your queue or not, this is where you sort of, you know, open up your entire portfolio of pricing across your market and let the market figure out what works better. Let the regulators listen to the market, listen to the payers, listen to the consumers. And from there, we can go from something really good, filled with a lot of problems and a lot of, 
a lot of issues, but very much subject to refinement and moving toward real transparency and pricing for consumers. So I think it's, you know, it's going to be a mess, but this is not the end. And people will, by the time people are ready to use this information, we're going to be well into 2023 and a much more sort of accessible format, accessible content that address some of the issues that, that Matt has raised that are difficult for consumers to use right now. Yeah, I, yeah, I come. You know, I think it's a, it's, you know, we've we've mentioned that a few times, and and I think Denny, it's it's worth continue. I mean, I, I would keep saying it over and over, right? This is the start. This is the first phase of the of the rule. I mean, you know, we've we've been powering transparency solutions for our, uh, our payer customers for you know for over ten years now. Um, most and many health plans already provide some price transparency to their membership. Um, a lot of that's based on historical data. It's based on estimates, but it does tie into, you know, we, we produce an out-of-pocket cost estimate based on your, your benefit and current coverage level. And, you know, the reality is that, um, you know, the reality is that not everybody uh, uses that, you know, we've, most health plans have, um, you know, fairly low utilization of these transparency tools by their end users. I think the time, attention, and focus on getting this data out there expands the number of services, expands the number of um, the pieces of information. But you've already seen, I mean, I think it was the Super Bowl last year, you saw um, Susan Sarandon's organization advertising healthcare cost transparency during the Super Bowl. I mean, this, this I, I think the, the idea, the idea, the cat's out of the bag, right? And I think the, the good news, you know, the good news here is the payers, are all going to be on a level playing field. They all are required to produce the same type of information. Um, commentary I would get in meetings with payers two years ago, well, my competitors are going to see my information, um, you know, quickly move to, well, I'm going to see my competitors' information and, and are now at the state of, hey, we're all putting this out there, so it's fine. Like, I mean, it's that evolution is happening. Um, and, and I do think, um, as, you've, as you've said, that um, this is an, this is a chance for for payers to in in a uh, a consistent way um, where where they know what they're doing they know what their competitors are doing in their individual markets um, are going to be able to provide a great deal more information that can be used to help members find care understand what it's going to cost. And also, frankly, drive the cost of care down because once we all know what it's going to cost and what you're doing, these options, and you and you 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 begin to train your membership to think about costs when they're evaluating their options. This data will be available to providers um, when they're referring care within the network, and having that having that data available is the barrier. And you can't blame a provider for referring somebody to an out-of-network high-cost provider when they have no idea what's in network and what the costs are. Um, and, you know, those, it's going to be a lot easier for, for everyone to sort of work together to, to keep costs under control, maintain quality, um, and, and, and maybe even increase quality by, by making sure you're, you're, you're putting people, um, you're putting members into the right care at the right cost at the right quality level. So it's, it's, it's exciting to see where we're going to be, um, frankly. 
And, and uh, back to our first question, it sounds like it's the right balance. We're being pushed, but, uh, and, and I'm reminded of Michael Crichton's uh, quote in Lost Worlds, extinction is the inevitable result of one of two things, too much change or not enough change. And the good news here is that we're, we're, we're seeing the change. And the other component is it's, it's collaborative. It's, it's, the consumer, the payer, the provider, the industry is changing in, in lockstep. So uh, we are uh, short on time. Uh, uh, Denny, Matt, any last minute advice to our listeners? And then we'll turn it back to Michael. Um, this, you know, this is opportunity. This is a huge opportunity. Um, the, those organizations on both the payer and provider side who believe that they can continue to survive as uh, siloed information entities and care delivery or care financing entities in a world where everything is transparent, everything is being shared, are going to be the ones that go extinct, to use your phrase, Ferris. I think becoming competitive, using the consumer and, and the marketplace of developers and technologists to turn this massive data into meaningful information that patients, members can make decisions about is fundamental to market reform. We need a crowd. We have 330 million people. We have a million doctors. We have 6,000 hospitals. If we don't give this information to consumers to make changes themselves, the market won't move. But if we do, the shifts will be profound. And providers and payers that are ready to accommodate, adapt, and take advantage of these shifts will be the ones who flourish. Well, those who don't are going to be basically outcompeted in the marketplace and are going to have to find another way to do business. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I think there's a there's a variation on a theme of of think global, you know, think globally, act locally. Um, I, I think if we can keep our eyes on the ball, which is we we serve members, right? Our our objective is to help folks who need care, um, get the right care at the right time, know what it's going to cost, understand their benefit structure, right? These are all, these are all difficult things for regular folks to understand. These are all in these, these, the data that we're publishing here, um, will get hoovered up, will get transformed into something that's meaningful for end users. And that's a good thing, right? This is, this is about, making care more effective, more affordable for those 330 million people that Denny just mentioned. And, and so I think, you know, from, from our perspective, um, the way we think about this is we're going to be able to serve those folks more effectively when we know more about how care is built, what it costs and what it means for them to, what, what it means for them to choose uh, a provider or facility over uh, over an option that they may have within their network, and so I, th I think when you get when your head's down and trying to figure out where you're going to extract this contracting data, remember um, remember who we're doing this for um, and what value it's going to create for them in the long run, and it becomes a lot easier to power through <laughs> getting this data built and, and structured when you realize the, you know, kind of the immense, the immense value it's going to produce for folks down the road. Excellent. Uh, thank you, Matt. Thank you, Denny. And on behalf of HCG, 
Um, I want to also thank, give a special thanks to my counterpart at Weedy, Charles Steller, and Michael Yu and Samantha at Weedy for your efforts in producing the podcast. We also want to thank each of you as listeners today and hope that the exchange of information has been valuable. If you have questions, don't hesitate to email me directly, ft at hcg.org, or we will have uh, other mechanisms for you to weigh in on on these activities. So uh, with that, Michael, let's turn this back to you to have the last word and close the podcast. Ferris, Matt, Denny, thank you so much for being a part of this fascinating discussion. This has been the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast, where the health information technology community connects, collaborates, and creates solutions for a better health system. Find this episode and many more on our website, weedy.org. Thank you all for joining us, and be safe.